Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Reconomy podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I'm Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. And today is a very special day because we have our very first guest on the show. This is a first for us here at Reconomy, and we're so excited to have our guest. Mark, why don't you do the honors of introducing our first guest speaker? Can you tell I'm excited? <laughs> I can definitely tell. This is going to be fun because we got so bored of just doing it by ourselves, we decided we <laughs> needed help. And I can't think of anybody else, um, none other than Eddie Otto, Vice President of Corporate Business Solutions here at First American. Most of Eddie's career is focused on designing and implementing business technology solutions internally for First American, as well as externally with our partners in lending, real estate, and title agency. And he's actually also a really cool guy, so I'm very, very excited. Um, he's been totally focused on innovation. You know, that's a big topic and uh, something that we're really interested in. But here it's specifically pertaining to digitizing real estate lending and settlement. That's a pretty big topic area. Welcome, Eddie. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I am excited to be here, and I have to admit, I'm a longtime listener, even though a first-time guest. Well, we're so glad to have you here and so happy that you are our first guest speaker because I don't think there's ever been a more important time to bring attention to innovation in real estate. And as Mark mentioned, you're just the guy to walk us through it. There's been an explosion of digital activity in the consumer real estate lending space. I would say more so in the last three years than in the last 30. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I would agree, Odetta. There's been an enormous amount of venture capital targeted at fintech and prop tech startups recently. In fact, a Crunchbase report citing data from July of this year shows that VC-backed real estate companies has raised $10.6 billion in 2021 through July, up from the $8.3 billion that was raised during the same period last year, and really higher than any year in that period in the past decade. And if you go further than that, um, probably probably less that's in our combined wallets right now. So it's, it's been quite an explosion. In the prop tech space, really what we saw first just a few years ago were iBuyers. But now in addition to these iBuyers, you have fractional ownership platforms, you have rent to own models, property investor apps, wholesale marketplaces, cash offer models, and so many more. And then in the fintech space, the starting point was really that point of sale online loan application. We've all heard about that over the past several years, and now many lenders are are already there or getting there very, very soon. But in addition to the point of sale technology, there's automated verification of income and assets and lead generation technologies, uh, underwriting to make underwriting uh, much more efficient, artificial intelligence for loan quality. There really seems to be a FinTech widget for just about everything. I mean, that's definitely a lot of change in the last three years, but we have to ask the question, why? Why is all that money showing up? Why is this big splurge in innovation occurring? There must be some underlying reason or cause or something that's of such interest to them that they want to bring that innovation to. Yeah, and uh, Mark, it probably won't surprise you that for lending, the primary focus is reducing cost and reducing time required to close a loan. Now, initially, the, the FinTech or the tech was about the former, about origination cost. And as a reaction to the 
you know, really is that as a reaction to the increased cost of compliance that came out of the housing bubble and the financial crisis. Uh, but now speed is very, very important too. Um, consumer experience has become even more paramount though. People are empowered by technology. Most generations now expect a technology option, a digital option. But millennials and Gen Z, they're basically going to, or already do, demand it. Um, portal access, text notifications, apps for convenience, no paper, uh, self-serve tasks, things they want to do on their own time. Everything's about my time, I want the convenience. That said, consumers, I think of all generations, even with digital options, still want to know people are there for them. Even the younger generations want a trusted advisor available since they've never done this before. So you touched on millennials. That's that's kind of my area of expertise. And so I want to dig into that a little bit more. You said, you know, millennials expect no paper, you know, a digital experience. I can tell you, I don't even own a printer. And millennials represent the biggest share of home buyers in the U.S. today. And they do expect a smooth and speedy real estate transaction. I mean, most of our home searches start online. We look at those virtual tours and we expect that the rest of our home buying process will be just as techie, speedy and with a great user experience, this is, after all, a generation born in the mobile age. So if you're looking to win the business of a millennial or a Gen Z, fintech really is survival. So obviously, the consumer benefits from increased technology, but who else stands to benefit and, and how? Yeah, those are all great points. And you, you caught me way off guard with you don't own a printer. That is <laughs> awesome. I own a printer, but uh, that's amazing. Um, that's one way to go paperless, by the way, is not create any paper. Exactly. <laughs> but everyone in the process, Odetta, really benefits. So it's not just the consumer. So on the lender side, we talked about how they can reduce costs and increase speed. So automating uh, employment verifications and income uh, and assets and all those types of things, eliminating duplicate data entry, which happens just in an amazing amount of times in our in the process in our in the mortgage uh, process and in our industry, um, self-serve borrower portals that reduce phone calls and interactions coming inbound to the lenders, streamlined decisioning, the AI I talked about, and machine learning, automating QC. I mean, all these things really do save the lender time and and save the lender money. Um, title agents, though, title agents and settlement providers are also impacted by this fintech. Uh, title agents play a necessary role in the closing of loans, obviously. Um, but title agents also transact real estate orders. Think about cash deals and seller side closings. There's no lender involved there. So this isn't always about mortgage. This is also about the general real estate transaction. So there's plenty a title agent can do to also lower cost, increase processing speed, and cut down on all those interactions coming into their office so they can focus on answering questions and serving customers more of an outbound play. Um, hold on, guys. I'm trying to find my paper notebook and mechanical pencil. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is great, right? Faster, cheaper, better. Um, I'm an economist, so I'm going to insert a little bit of economics in here. This is about reducing the frictional, the frictions related to transactions, reducing the cost, broadly speaking, 
of a transaction. Reduce that could be time, dollars, all the things you men- mentioned, Eddie. And that's that sounds good to me. It's probably about time that we do it in this industry. I mean, but we have to get into the details here because I get really lost. And Eddie, you and I have been on the road. We've gone to conventions and meetings together. I've listened to you speak. There's way too many e things out there. E-closing, e-mortgage, digital mortgage, digital settlement, e-note. What does this all mean? I need some help. And and don't forget, we still have e-mail. Can you believe we still call it e-mail? <laughs> um, anyway, um, electronic mail. So yeah, there are lots of e's. You've got your e-closings, you've got e-notes, you've got e-mortgages, and all this wrapped up in really two big categories of digital settlement and digital mortgage. These are two conceptual areas, but all the E's sort of fit into those. So, yeah, can you walk me through how this all works together? I'm kind of thinking of of drawing a diagram in my head. Can you explain that to me immediately? Oh, boy. Get it? Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, Is this going to happen to all your guests, Odetta? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) This is. Okay. Well, yes, of course, I can explain it. I'm so glad you asked. Um, So the way I think about it, if you can envision in your mind, since we're on a podcast, um, is two big concepts, one on the mortgage side, one on the settlement side. So on the mortgage side, really what lenders are going for is a new way of life that they refer to as digital mortgage. So those are a lot of the things that I already talked about. Online loan applications, collecting documents through a portal, verifying assets and income, all those automations and fintech components and widgets fit in this journey toward the horizon of digital mortgage. Then on the other side of the equation in a a real estate transaction or, or a refi, you've got digital settlement. Now on the digital settlement side, That's the journey of digitizing all the steps in the title agent or settlement agent process from opening and receiving an order to earnest money deposits, digitizing that process, um, scheduling a closing appointment and notifications on status. All, All of those steps can be digitized. You can apply technology and get those cost savings and efficiency gains. So that whole space is your digital settlement. So you've got on one side digital mortgage, your other side, digital settlement. Now, toward or at the end of a transaction, refi or purchase, you're going to have what most refer to as a closing. Now, closing is overused in our industry. I'm talking about an event, a signing event, where a notary sits down with a buyer or a seller or both, and they execute documents and change the keys change hands if you're in a purchase situation. So that's your closing. You put an E in front of it, and of course you have your E closing. So that dance or handshake is an event that both the mortgage company and the settlement company are involved in. And after your E closing, if everything is electronically signed, a document pops out of there called an E note. The E note is the promissory note, it's just digital. And once that gets sold, the e-note along with the mortgage itself, that is an e-mortgage. And that's what's bought and sold and bought and sold on the secondary market. So I hope that makes some sense. You've got some concepts, you have an event, you have a document, and then you have basically an asset, an e-mortgage that gets bought and sold. All right, I'm, I'm following, this is good. Uh, now we said at the top of the episode that there has been an explosion in that digital activity all the way through to the e-note and the e-mortgage at the end of that, of that process you just described in the consumer real estate lending space, but that's in the last few years. 
You know, we love to talk about what's happened in the last year and a half with regard to the pandemic. Absolutely unique. We call it, you know, arguably in economics, a black swan, right? An exogenous shock event. That must have had an impact, hopefully, to accelerate, right? I should have said accelerate, maybe, the adoption <laughs> <laughs> of these technologies because, you know, in time of pandemic, being close to people, not so good. Yeah. Did, was it so? Yeah, you're absolutely correct, Mark. Um, you know, March through June, I'd say last year, roughly, um, the the industry was just overflowing with this desire for the no contact closing. Eventually, we had to settle for the low contact closing, but everybody wanted this signing event to not have to involve face-to-face -face people breathing the same air in the same room. That was a no-no. Um, and interestingly enough, as the, as the pandemic kicked off and, and, uh, and it was really affecting uh, the world and definitely the US, there was a concern on real estate that real estate would just stop because of this challenge. Um, people wouldn't wanna see homes and people wouldn't want to uh, interact and sign documents, but everybody would just go away for a while and there'd be no homes sold. Well, that's absolutely the opposite of what happened with interest rates. And you guys have talked about all that in the past. So not only was there a need, but there was an explosion of more orders on top of this need for the no contact closing. So uh, what we saw, and we were monitoring this almost to the minute, definitely to the hour and absolutely to the day, but state governors were issuing these waves of executive orders enabling RON, Remote Online Notarization, and we got a new acronym in the industry called RIN, Remote Ink Signed Notarization. And you know the, the demand for RON just went through the roof. The, the vendors, uh, the few that were out there prior to the pandemic over the past few years who've been really trying to push this technology past legislation, they could not even accommodate the demand. Um, their phones were ringing off the hook or their portals were blowing up or their chatbots were tired. Uh, they, they could not handle all the, in, the incoming calls to get set up. They just couldn't set up enough customers quick enough to even, even if everybody wanted to do RON, we couldn't even, the, we, the industry, couldn't get enough accounts set up to do it. So, so lenders were on the phones with national underwriters like First American. I fielded dozens of calls with lenders trying to figure out how can we close this loan? How do we get this done without, uh, without you know, human contact or as little as possible. And so as it often does, the industry got very, very creative and came up with all sorts of physical signings still, um, but with very low contact. You had your drive-through curbside front porch signings and our offices turned into, uh, you know, basically parking lots looked like the uh, soccer field on the weekends with all these pop-up tents <laughs> and tables and coolers and everybody wearing masks and gloves, soiled pens, clean pens, uh, the, like I said, the tailgate tents, sanitizer. It was, it was just crazy. But that was the curbside drive-through solution that we really had to get to. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. As Benjamin Franklin once said, out of adversity comes opportunity. Now, I imagine there were some challenges or roadblocks along the way over the course of the pandemic? There were. With, with going digital and trying to get to that remote online notarization experience, even as the vendors were able to catch up and start to get more lenders on board and create more accounts and get more companies going in that direction, 
there was still this big challenge, this, um, this brick wall, if you will, of the promissory note. So for a lender to set up e-notes and an e-vault requires all this wonderful special technology to convert your paper promissory note to an e-note. It's a special document. You don't just e-sign it on any old platform. So even with Ron moving forward, lenders couldn't move quick enough to handle the volume and deal with the normal employee challenges of the pandemic, just as all large companies or any company was dealing with. They didn't have the capacity to get going on e-notes. So as the conversations unfolded with lenders and the title companies, we kept getting to that point of saying, we can do Ron on a, on a platform. We can do it this afternoon. We can get it set up. We can get the documents digitized. But how do you want to handle that note? Do you want to mail it to your borrower? Do you want to FedEx it? Do you want a courier to bring it over? And lenders didn't really like that idea, at least not at scale, of leaving the note outside of a trusted chain of custody. So remember, the note does not have to be notarized but lenders like it to be handled by the settlement company or directly by a notary. They want it signed by the borrower and right back in the hands of that notary. Since that piece of paper has value, it's worth money, lenders don't want it floating around unsupervised. So mailing it around was not an interesting option for lenders. You know, I guess suffice it to say, e-closing isn't simple to just scale quickly. It wasn't something we could just install like everybody did with video calls. It was easy to replace a face-to-face -face meeting with a video call, but it wasn't quite that simple or quick with turning paper into signing on a screen. Sort of, sort of somewhat ironic, kind of like the last mile problem. In that last mile, let's just have a human and a piece of paper the old school way, right? Exactly. And Mark, you know, you know, in that discussion with lenders, what they were saying is, well, if we're going to send somebody with a piece of paper, they might as well just bring all the paper. So the conversation gets up to the last mile. And then until you can tackle it, you know, we, we started to revert back to, OK, let's go back to the curbside closing. So there's this, this concept of, in, of technology adoption, sort of the S-curve, right? Sort of adoption is very low and slow at the beginning. And then you imagine this, this big ramp up, which by the way, maybe we should post some of these graphics on our Twitter feed, particularly Eddie, the one that you were talking about earlier so people can see it. Um, you know, I suspect from what you've just described, we're sort of at the very beginning of that S-curve of technology, uh, technology adoption um, because of many of these complexities of that last mile of implementation. So, but the real question I think is, when does when do we get rise up that curve, and when does all that paper actually go away? Much as I'm going to keep my mechanical pencil and notebook, by the way. <laughs> yes, of, of course you will. Of course you will. Um, well, I know the answer, and I know the date at which this will happen. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell anybody. Yet. Warning, okay? warning. We always encourage people not to forecast. I was told <laughs> forecast the number or the date, but never do both. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've always said, Mark, at some point rates will go up, right? So one day you'll be right on that, right? And one day I'll be right. I'm 10 years into it. <laughs> this is patience. the year, by the way. <laughs> patience, patience. Um, yeah, that's, that's really the, the, the million or billion dollar question. When, you know, question, when will all this paper go away? Because on the surface, um, adoption, it still feels kind of slow. So there's, there's, you know, you could say adoption of E has quadrupled or gone up by 8x. 
but that's 8x of a very, 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 very small percentage of, of the starting point. Um, so there is a there is a hockey stick adoption that is happening. It's just you know you have to you have to zoom in quite a bit to see uh, how steep it is. So although adoption feels low or slow, the what the pandemic did is it brought more awareness and urgency to the industry than we've ever had before in the space. Uh, Odetta, I got real popular with all my uh, uh, innovation ideas and e this and e that. You know, it became very important to figure out what the heck we've been talking about with this e closing thing for a while. Oh, I bet. So. So the urgency is definitely there. And we know for a fact that many lenders and title companies have something going on in the e-close space. In fact, through First American DocuTech, we're offering a variety of ways to conduct e-closings. And our warehouse lender first funding is helping lenders on their e-note journey with innovative services above and beyond their secure e-vault offering. The industry's trying to figure out how to scale this over the next two years but it'll all take time to get the processes worked out. It may not be obvious, but there's a lot of building going on behind the curtain. Um, consumer portals and online applications, track your loan on a website, those have all become very apparent through the industry. Everybody's seen those. But there's a lot more activity going on behind the scenes with investors signing up with MERS to buy e-notes and lenders getting their e-vault solutions in place. It's difficult to change the transmission on the bus while you're driving down the highway at full speed, but all those efforts will pay off. So I'll say soonish, we'll see a lot more e-transactions, if you will, e-notes, e-closings, and the like. Does soon-ish count as a formal forecast? Can we start doing that? <laughs> I think I think we should start doing that, Odetta. It's just going to be soon. Ish. Soon-ish. <laughs> ish. Ish. I use ish a lot, and uh, that's how you hedge. I think I, I think that's a good call. Well, that sounds like a ton of progress and, and signs of much more to come. And I think we'll end on that optimistic note. I, there's so much more that we can talk about regarding digitizing real estate lending and settlement. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. I want to thank Eddie Otto so much for joining us on today's episode. We hope you will come back on the show soon. And you can find Eddie talking about all things innovation on the First American Innovation Center at firstam.com innovation. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also sign up for our blog at firstam.com economics. And if you can't wait for the next episode, please follow us on Twitter. It's at Odetokushi for me and at mflemingecon for Mark. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. For even more economic content, visit firstam.com slash economics. This episode is copyright 2021 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at firstam.com.